This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Here's Speroni, who rolls the ball out to Cannon. He's got options in front of him. He picks out Thomas. This is a nice-looking move from Palace. That's a neat ball to Ambrose. A space on the right. Good turn. He crosses into Johnson! Oh, yes! Back of the nest! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Back of the Nest Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Terence Ford of redandbluearmy.co.uk, and I'm joined by Sam Heskiff and Patrick O'Connor, who replaces Albert, who is on holiday yet again. And we will be building you up to Leicester in the most miserable way we know how. This episode, we talk pronunciations, memorials, bicycle kicks, transfers, and the hashtag that has been sweeping the nation, hashtag I am Patrick. Before we get into the business of suspensions, formations, and whether or not time is running out for Roy Hodgson. In the words of Theresa May, let's get this over with. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back, Patrick, first of all. Hello, how are you? Very good. We're going to get into your hashtag <laughs> shortly. Uh, greatly amused me this week. And um, as usual, we have Sam Heskiff as well. Uh, sans hashtag. <laughs> no hashtag No indeed. hashtag for me. Um, so your favourite beer, Dos Equis, as I've been calling it. I actually got an email in. I think it's the first email the show's ever had. And it was from Tom Barnett. And he said, mate, it's pronounced Dos Equis, not Dos Equis. Had to read you on that, out on that one, pal. Tom, very brief email. Um, being married to a Mexican, sure, surely you should have known that. Well, I'd say Dos Equis rather than Dos Equis. But I guess that's wrong as well. Yeah, um, I've, I've never actually been to Mexico, though, so... Let's just say I'm right because I'm on the microphone. I've been to Mexico and probably said Dos Equis. So we stand corrected. Thanks, Tom. Is that what you're drinking tonight, Sam? Um, no, I'm drinking water again. Very hey, boring. I think it's going to be double water, isn't it, Patrick? Uh, absolutely. Yep. Not not Gatorade? <laughs> no Gatorade today, no. <laughs> um, I'm still on the Brewdog Dead Pony Club. Um Budgeon's three for five special. Lovely stuff. Right. Uh, we'll start this week talking about um, 
a nice little touch from a Warsaw fan that's uh, that's occurred. Um, obviously, you go back to the 1995 FA Cup semi-final against Manchester United, and of course, um, that unfortunately resulted in the death of Paul Nixon um, in very sad circumstances, obviously. And um, there's a memorial up in Warsaw, which is uh, where it occurred. And um, a Warsaw fan has gone off his own back, um, and I'll read it, sir. Um, a fairly lengthy message, but it's one he's said to his mates that he's then put onto um, put onto Twitter and got got some support for it. So it says, "All right, lads, next Sunday afternoon, I'm looking for some help, please." Basically, I've been upset recently about the state of a memorial site uh, by the Fulbrook Pub in Walsall of a Crystal Palace fan who was killed in '95. It must be difficult for his friends and family to keep travelling up and keep it nice and smart for him. And people have recently been fly-tipping at the site. So last week I decided to do something about it. I've done some investigating, which included speaking with the council and local residents to find out who owned the land where the memorial is. I've located the owner and I'm working with him to stop this happening. In the meantime, I'm planning next Sunday afternoon to clean up and make a nice fresh to make it nice and fresh. Palace are up in the area for a fixture against Walls on January the 2nd, so it would be nice to get it done before then. I'm asking for lads to come and give me a hand, won't take long, etc, etc, etc. And he said, I'll be raising money this week to buy a new Palace scarf shirt, flowers and a Christmas wreath and etc to put at a site. Um, and either way, any help, no matter how greatly small, is greatly appreciated and I feel so strongly about this. Paul was the same age as me when he passed away and nobody should ever go to watch his team and then never return home. I think this is the very least that I could do for his family and friends. Cheers, lads. So um, fair play to ask. That guy's name is Matty Lovett. Um, I'm actually going to pass through there on um, my way up to the Wolves game on um, January the 2nd. Um, but Heskiff, just, you know, it's not nice end of year goodwill from someone there. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, it's not the sort of thing that you would really expect um, fans of other clubs outside of us and Man U probably to know about even so. Yeah, for him to to you know take responsibility for it, just off you know like you say for his own goodwill, uh, and reach out on Twitter. Hopefully, you know there'll be some maybe some donations or people offering to help um, to help him when he when he sort of cleans it up and, and makes it look a bit better. So yeah, it was it was great. It was unexpected when I read it, but um, yeah, fair play to him. I think he's done really well there. Yeah, it's a it's a lovely touch, and um, like I say, I think if anyone's going up to that Wolves game on Tuesday the second of Jan, try and pop by there. Um, I'll find out what the address is. I'm in, I'm in contact with this Matty guy, so I'll find out what the address is and let you know um, where you need to go because I'm, I'm going to go up there and stick a scarf down in the memory of Paul. Um, transfers rumors are already up and playing they have been for a few weeks now um we'll start with victor moses first uh patrick's birthday on the day of recording we're recording on wednesday the 12th of december um would you take victor moses back first happy birthday vic mo um i've always been a fan of victor moses he's you know he's played for a few clubs but on loan he's used to a relegation battle you know being for wigan etc so i mean i guess It'd be a great, you know, it's great to have him back, but I just get tired of the links to old Palace players. I don't really, really take too much stock in those, to be honest with you. But I like him as a player, so if he's going to come back, I'd have no problem with that. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, you mentioned a striker then. We obviously need one. Um, we've been linked with Jermaine Defoe today. Again, I don't know how serious this link is, how real it is. It's just the news, could just be newspaper talk. But 
at 36, he can't get even get in a Bournemouth team. Although I probably shouldn't say he can't even get in a Bournemouth team because they're having a pretty good season. But it would be about now that we would sign him, right, Heskiff, when he's finally, finally passed it. Yeah, exactly. Five-year deal. Five-year deal, yeah. 150 grand a week. Uh, I think he, but he falls into the category again, doesn't he, of players who always score against Palace. But then when we bring him in, he'll never score because he can only score against us now. So maybe a sneaky OG on his (laughs) debut. But yeah, I mean, he's probably going to be on a fair whack. Um, And, you know, we've said over the past few weeks that we, we wouldn't mind a sort of a, bit of a different striker to the ones we've got, which he certainly is. Mm. And I understand why people would want him, but I'm not really convinced. I mean, he's, he's, yeah, he's a good player, but I don't know. I mean, to be fair though, we, we probably said the same about Kevin Phillips when we brought him in the year we went up and he, he was, he was great. Mm. So yeah, maybe, but I'm not, for some reason, I'm just not wholly convinced myself. Well, yeah, producer Billiam's a big fan and still wants him in now. But um, Patrick, do you do you see Defoe coming in and doing a Phillips-type job for us? Kind of have to at this point, wouldn't he? Um, I actually mentioned to a mate of mine about, because I actually thought about it over the weekend, I said we're so desperate for a striker, but I guarantee we'll get dinged with Defoe. And soon, you know, sure enough, a couple of days later we are. But I'm kind of I'm kind of with, with Sam is. I mean, it's, it's likely he'll come in and either not score or get injured. I mean, that's the kind of thing we're at now. And I prefer to go with a little bit of a younger younger player. But it also, again, not being facetious, it'll cost a lot of money. It'll bound to come in and get and demand high wages. Why we didn't get in the, I think the last three times we've been linked to him because of the money issues. So, again, we need a striker desperately. I would prefer someone else. But, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get upset at Defoe if he was to come in. Yeah, I mean, you've done a lot of coaching off the pitch. And... The way I'm getting at it is if you look at the likes of Wilson and King at Bournemouth, uh, since Defoe's gone into that club, their scoring output's gone up. Um, do you reckon off the pitch Defoe could be helping them with their finishing and that, that's something you could bring across the Palace? That's, a, that's an excellent point. And I think, going back to Kevin Phillips, I think he he probably would have helped a couple of our younger players back then when he came in. Uh I, I that's a great point. I'm looking at their I'm looking at their record now. They've scored so far, Bournemouth, they've got 25 goals this season, which is almost double what we have so far. So he's obviously, he's not getting to that side because they're scoring. So that's a great shot. I think, I think he probably, his experience alone, listen, the guy's been everywhere. He's been, you know, Tottenham, he's been all over the place. He's a, he's a England, former England striker. He's a quality player. So I'm, I guarantee, and the, the way he scores goals, things he does, he, you can't really coach. He's, a lot of it's just natural stuff that I'm sure he can give you a couple of tips on. So again, I think that it's a great shot. I think he definitely has helped them. And if he came in here, if he didn't, didn't score for us. If he could help maybe Soloff or Ayu to score, I, I would take that. I'd take anything right now. Mm, exactly. I mean, it's a big side of the game. Most of football obviously takes place out of the eyes of the public and on the training field. And um, obviously it all culminates in the match at the end of the week. But, um, you know, if he could do a job off the field as well, who knows? But obviously it can't be for the sort of money he's on at Bournemouth and I can't imagine he'd want to leave and have a smaller contract somewhere else because I think he's pretty much tidy at Bournemouth until his contract runs out. Um, <laughs> so on to some bizarre news and uh, a semi sort of Palace link because Tony Adams was linked with heading up a consortium that was going to buy a Palace maybe this uh, around this time last year. Um, Heskiff, he's, he's just been announced as the president of the Rugby Football League Club, whatever that is. 
he see, yeah, he seems to just like doing bizarre things. So if you remember, he, he went to coach in Spain and there was a video of his first training session where he was doing this weird like dance type move to get them, you know, limbered up. All the players were just looking at him like he was mad. Okay. And then he went he went to coach in Azerbaijan or somewhere like that. Um he wore, like you say, he wore he, that he, checked suit. He wore the checked suit, which was <laughs> Yeah, something probably out of Simon Jordan's cover wardrobe from about 20 years ago. Um, yeah, and then he was in a consortium that was going to buy off. So now he's, I guess, the head of the FA for the Rugby League, something like that. It's a bit weird. I was I was reading a bit into it before we went, before we started recording. And I'm still none the wiser. Um, I know that he's heading up a charity Maybe that's got something to do with it. Yeah, apparently that's helps his charities helped more than four hundred rugby league players. Um our producers frantically shouting in my ear. Okay. Well there you go. I mean that makes a bit more sense. But I wonder if he's even gonna last a couple of months because he seems to come flying headfirst into these jobs and then just disappears very quickly. So yeah, bit of an odd one. Someone who disappeared very quickly and hasn't been seen for a long time is Connor Wickham. Uh, but he's now back on the score sheet, Patrick, with should we call it a bicycle kick or is it a semi-bicycle kick? I would call it a semi. It's not the one that Pele did in the uh, in the movie, but um, uh, it's you know it's a good goal. Um, listen, going back, you know, we just we talk about we're desperate for a striker, and um, <laughs> whenever Connor shows a little bit of fitness, you know, uh, Twitter goes mad. Everybody gets mad about him coming back. I'd love to see him come back, obviously, because we we need someone. The thing is, I'll say is that um. I will say when he was at Sunderland that year, he did keep him up that year, which scored a bunch of very important goals. He's just been out for so long. He's been out for almost two years now, right? I feel bad. All the pressure he's going to be under. Then he gets a red card, two yellow cards in about 30 seconds after he scores. So listen, I like Connor. Um, um, but again, until he's fit, I'm not going to get too excited. But we just we, we are just so desperate. We're just looking for any ray of hope. So hope he's back soon. Yeah, Heskiff, could you imagine he comes into the first team on Saturday and scores that goal to score the winner in the 90th minute? I mean, I literally can't imagine that, <laughs> but I would love it. I just I just wonder if um, Parrish has his sort of, you know, shopping list for January, sees that goal that Wickham scores, select all, delete. <laughs> I think he's like, that's it, done, that'll save us a bunch of money. Don't need Defoe, don't need those wages. Connor Wickham. Yeah, send it in. Um Right, and our last bit in this section before we move on to talking about the game against Leicester is the hashtag I am Patrick. For anyone who didn't see um, for the West Ham game on the weekend, indeed for a bunch of Premier League games, NBC over in America hosted an event in New York um, near the New World Trade Center site to um, invite fans of all clubs down to watch their games. And um, there was obviously videoing reactions and so on and Patrick's reaction to West Ham's second goal was an absolute picture of just sheer disgust. And um, talk, talk us through it, Patrick. First of all, talk us about what the, the event was like and what the day was like, and then um, and then I, your presumed anger at Hennessy. <laughs> well, the first thing is NBC Sports over here does a tremendous job of the Premier League. Not only the coverage, but like I like I was saying to you pre-show, they invited thousands of fans to come down at their own expense to watch the games live. They were on from 7.30 in the morning. There was a 7.30 match, 10 o'clock match, 12.30 match, and the 2.45 match. So we're talking about four matches in a row. There had celebrities there. Alan Shearer was there. I met Rebecca Lowe, who's happened to be a big Palace fan. Robbie Musto. 
um, a bunch of people. They had a bunch of other celebrities there. And again, their te- their, every Premier League team was, was represented. They gave out free merchandise, free food. It was brilliant. I mean, they do a tremendous job of promoting the game over here. So I'm a part of this New York Eagles group. So I was invited to come down. A bunch of my mates were down there. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we got up 1-0. And I had no idea, by the way, the camera was there. I kind of saw the camera there, but I'm just watching the match. I don't even care. All of a sudden, you know, the second goal goes in. And I'm, and I'm disgusted for a couple of reasons. And, and again, Billy, don't get mad at me, okay? I'm mad because I just feel like our goalkeeper should parry the ball wide. Now, I've seen a million people discuss on social media about well, where we're the defenders. And I'm going to say this as a former player, and I think we've all played football before. When you're in a wall, unless a player is looking for a player to like get a short pass off the wall, your whole job is to block the shot. You either going to jump or, or whatever it is. So expect a player to, one, try and block a shot and then turn to stop a striker from scoring a rebound, which is two feet from the goalkeeper. I said, ask a bit much. And again, that was my, that one, my reaction was pure emotion. I was just so frustrated. We went up, we were up one nil, then with minute, minutes were down three one. I was just upset. I had no idea I was on TV because I would never react it that way. I really wouldn't have. I had so many people, friends of mine, <laughs> sending me texts. I just saw you on TV. My wife is texting, my daughter's texting me, my son. It was just so funny. But again, it was just the emotion of like we gave up, you know, giving up the goal in that manner. Again, it wasn't towards the goalie per se. It was just, I'm just, I'm just, it was just so frustrating. But again, just going back, it was a great event to be at. I just, it's just funny that everyone became me at that moment. Yeah, that's what a lot of people picked up on it on Twitter. Um, specifically in England as well, because obviously a lot of people watch the uh, NBC streams over here. And um, yeah, hashtag I am Patrick, um, pretty much captured the saying he summed up everyone's reactions to that second goal. Uh, we'll we'll get into Hennessy a little bit more later on um, when we talk about the Leicester game, but we'll end the intro there. And then when we come back, we will be uh, it's Leicester and all sorts of suspensions going on. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Right, so we'll start with a big one. Um, Wilfred Zaha out suspended. Um, Heske, if you were you were at the game on Saturday, I know this because we enjoyed six pound pints pre match, which I'm I'm still not over. 
Yeah, enjoyed is a very loose term, isn't it? Yeah. Well, at least it was Greenwich Mean Time, which is a decent de- decent brewery. Um, went there for a stag do, actually, a while ago, and it was great. Uh, headed up by a Millwall fan, but that's, a, that's me digressing. Um, and Jason Flynn, I'm not happy with you taking us to pubs. It's £5.95 a drink. Come to the victory before games and have £3.20 pints, mate. That's what we're talking about. But, um, yeah, so... Wilfred Zaha had one of those frustrating games for him and then um, it all sort of culminated in the end with him picking up the yellow that is his fifth of the season. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great game from Wilf. I mean, his form's not been brilliant over the last few games. I mean, much, much as the whole team, to be honest. And that booking was just frustrating. I, I don't, don't think it was a particularly bad foul, but... You know, if it was if it was the other way around, if it was on him, I'd probably be calling for a booking. So yeah, he's he's out for Saturday's game, and you know, I've seen a few people say like, you know, we, we have to win without Wilf at some stage, so why not now? But honestly, I, I just don't. I just don't <laughs> Instead really... of twenty twenty one. Yeah, like I just don't buy into it because we we all know he's our best player. I mean, he's a, head and shoulders our best player in my opinion, and. We, we're struggling with him in the team now. I don't want him to play up front. I'd rather play him on the wing because I think he's way more dangerous. But regardless, if he's in the team, when he gets the ball, we all still do expect him to do something magic. And he, you know, he hasn't been. But th- th- there's always that little spark there that something could happen. So I think when he's out of the team, I don't know where that's going to come from. You know, I'm not saying the rest of the team are crap, but. If we can't win with Wilf, you know, we've only won three games all season, um, then I, f- I think we're going to find it very difficult to win without him because the invention that we have typically goes through him, really. Uh, so, yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I don't know how we're going to cope. I don't know if that means a different formation or if Hodgson is just like going to put Ayu in as a straight replacement. But it's going to be it's going to be a tough one to live without Wolf, really. Yeah, we'll we'll get into formations in a bit, but um, obviously scared the world on Instagram, Patrick, by posting a picture of him wearing one of those big um, inflatable air boots. Do you think? And it, it was captioned back to the drawing boards. Do you think that could be an injury for Wolf, or do you just think that's a recovery uh, procedure that they do after games? Yeah, I just feel that if it was anything more serious, we would have heard more about it. I think it's just a recovery thing. I, he, that happened also early in the season. Remember, I think when he came back from uh, Ivory Coast, he came back early. People were concerned he was injured and ended up being, he ended up, I believe, playing that next match. So, I mean, I, I think Wolf likes to post a lot of stuff and people like to blow things out of proportion on social media. I think I think he'll be okay. But as, as Sam is saying, you know, eventually, <laughs> eventually we're going to have to win a, a game without him. And, you know, he's not going to be able to play uh, this Saturday, and you know we're in we're in desperate need of getting something out of this. So, again, I, I don't, I'm not worried about him being gone long term, but let's just focus on what happens this Saturday. Mm, indeed, and yeah, we obviously just fingers crossed that this can be the game um, that it finally happens for, without Wilfred Zaha. But um, all right, let's let's touch on the formation. There. Uh, it feels natural to do so. A lot of people say there's no real plan B for Roy Hodgson, and I think I'm one of those as well. Um, there's a lot of this trust in the process kind of comments that come out from players all the time in various social medias or interviews and so on. And um, I just don't think that process is really working anymore, and it hasn't done for a while. We, 
we don't seem to be knowing what we're doing anymore. It's not flowing. Our players are always getting in each other's ways. We can't pass the ball five yards. Um, so Heskiff, I think this is a big chance for Hodgson this weekend to show that he does have a plan B, as it were, by playing another formation, perhaps switching to a 4-5-1, giving so a lot of run out or top. Or if he does come out and just play Ayu in place of Zaha in a 4-4-2, do you, do you think, especially if we lose with that formation, that could be a really troubling position for him? I do, yeah. I mean, I'll despair a little bit if if we just um, replace Wilf with, you know, like I said, Ayu, for example, where it's just a straight swap in, in the formation. Because it, it, it hasn't been working. Like I said, we've only won three games all season. And yeah, there have been games where we've played pretty well. We've played all right. But, but they are Burnley, Fulham and Huddersfield as well. As, that has to exactly. be pointed out. Absolutely. And in fact, if you look against Huddersfield... Fairly lucky to win. They hit the post. Fulham, we were probably the better team, but we didn't batter them. Burnley, yeah, they were terrible. So of the three games that we've won, you know, only really one were the dominant, absolute dominant team. And, you know, you've got to have a plan B. I'm not professing to be a better coach than Roy or have more experience than Roy, any of that. But, you know, there have been teams that play against us where we've been doing all right their manager tinkers with it, either brings on a sub or changes the formation or changes the way that they play. And, you know, it completely changes the course of the game. And we we don't do that. Mm. You know, earlier in the season, we were having a bit of a moan on here about Roy not using his subs very much. Um, and now, you know, he's, he's using them, but I don't think he's using them pretty, you know, all that well. Uh, against West Ham, I thought McCarver was brilliant and he took him off. Um, you know, and it was just like, are, are you now making change for change's sake in personnel, but not really asking the player to do anything different? So, yeah, I think this is the perfect chance for him to do it. Um, as much as we, you know, saw lots a bit derided on here, especially with Albert. Um, and, you know, I'm not his biggest fan. I, I, I certainly admit that. Give him a, just give him a go. I mean, if, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But, you know, you know, if you keep like banging your head against the wall every week, it, it, it's a bit rich when you then say you've got a headache. <laughs> Just do, do, stop doing it. Do something different and see how it goes, you know? Yeah, Patrick, no one's scoring goals at the moment. So what, what's the harm of Franz Solot in and switching it up to a 4-5-1? Um, he can't do any worse than anyone else has been doing. Um, Really? <laughs> like, like Albert, I'm not a big Solop fan. I'm, 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 I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I would have no problem if he starts on Saturday. But besides a few little sparks, I haven't seen enough out of him to to feel that he's he can do anything. And one of my things, and I think you and I talked about it um, before, Terence, is that his positioning is just really poor. Uh, you see, Cross coming to box, he doesn't even seem like he's either interested in getting there or has that we were talking about Defoe before you know Defoe seems to have that natural goal poacher thing Dwight Gale definitely has it I watched him play on uh, the other day for West Brom some players have it he does need to have that so as much as I want to see I'd like to see him get a chance because I'm very frustrated at um, at Hodgson's tactics and I'll tell you why I'm looking at the uh, the uh, Palace appearance sheet we've got we use like we usually, he wrote he usually uses about anywhere between you know 11 and 14 players it's the same 14 players of those 14 players, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 players have double-digit appearance starts. 
And we talk about we about having a squad. He doesn't use anybody else. So people talk about we don't have a deep squad. We don't have a deep squad because our manager won't try anybody else. He won't try Jason Punchin. He won't try Joe Ward anymore. He won't try Riedewald. He won't try uh, you know, Johnny Wims or Soleil Kai Kai. He won't try anybody else. So of course people think we only got 13 players or 14 players. And Schlupp keeps coming every single match. Credit to him, by the way, for scoring that goal on Saturday. But it's frustrating because... We, we stumbled upon a formation last year that worked, which was having the two, you know, non-strikers up front in in Wilf and uh, Townsend, which he did last year. It worked, all right? And we're doing the same thing again this year. And we got, we, you know, good good managers, like you guys are saying, make make changes, adjustments. He doesn't make any adjustments. He does the same thing every single time. It's frustrating to really see. And that's what, to me, is the biggest frustration. Not that we don't have a deep bench or we don't have a striker. It says that he doesn't try anything different. It's the same thing all the time. Now you've got two players suspended for this week. He's got to make two changes. Otherwise, maybe three. I mean, PVA might be hurt. Might see three. But I'm tired of seeing the same players every single week. And as Sam is saying, the same subs or making subs for subs' sake. He's got to be more innovative. The guy was an England manager. He did a great job at Fulham. Got him to the Europa League. What are we? What are we? What is he doing with us? I don't understand this. It is so frustrating to to watch how he manages our, our team. Mm, yeah, I think it's also worth pointing out the the reason that four four two stumbled upon formation work last season with the two false nines is because <laughs> Ruben Loftus Cheek. I hate to keep saying that, but he made it tick. He could turn it fr- from defense to attack very quickly with you know his strength and his power and his skill to turn a player and get into that space and stride into it which is just not there at the moment I think Maya is a good player but he's not that sort of player he's a very different kind of player and again I believe Maya would thrive more in a three in the middle than he would sort of playing in this narrow left side agree uh, and um, I think it's maybe time as well that I don't know how you feel about this Hesketh but he, because he wants the trust in this process, it's a case of we're just going to continue playing this way and trust that it works because we know that this will bear fruit for us where it's not. And you think it's about time that we actually started making plans for other teams instead of just trying to play the same way regardless of the opposition? I do, yeah. I, I don't. This trust in the processing is is not really for me. I don't really understand it. Like I said, if you're saying, right, this is the way we're going to play and that's it. And it doesn't matter who we're playing because as long as we do our thing, we'll be fine. I mean, I think that's very, not only is it stubborn, but I think it's stupid because everyone, I mean, look, even Manchester City, if something's not going right, I'm sure Guardiola can say, oh, would you, we do it this way or we change it that way. You've got You've got to prepare in more ways than one for whoever you're playing. And even even if it's not who, specifically the team that you're playing, you know that you're going to have days when it doesn't work. Even the best teams in the world have days where it just doesn't click. And that's when you say, okay, we'll, we'll try it differently. We'll, you know, we did this thing in training, so we'll do that. Because it, it isn't working. And I understand you want to put faith in the players and, you know, you don't want to just drop them after every game. But like Patrick said, there's there's players in the squad who aren't getting a go and the likelihood is they won't make it huge amounts better, but you don't know unless you give them a go. So like I said with Sir, like, I'm not his biggest fan. I don't think he's great. But if putting him in means that we play a different formation which might bear fruit, then you, you might as well just do it. Um, 
And if that doesn't work, you can revert to what you know what you were doing before because it's a different type of football and it's a different style, different formation. Because if you, 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 you I, I just don't think you can be that stubborn as to keep doing the same thing over and over and saying, "Look, it will come good," because there will come a point where, you know, when there's four games or five games after the season and we're adrift, that when's it going to come good in pre-season? You know, I just, I, I don't. It's not for me. And the thing is, you know, we had three matches in a week. We played Burnley, we played Brighton, we played West Ham. How different were those matches? But we played the same team in all three matches. We were brilliant in the first game and terrible in the second and a little bit better in the third. How do you play three different sides, three different sides, the same exact way and expecting to get brilliant results each time? That was the most frustrating thing I've ever seen. We had a, we had three matches. He didn't change a single thing. You can't manage like that in the Premier League anymore. You just can't. Mm. And a lot of people have been asking the question: Do is this game the last game for Roy? If he if he loses, is it time for him to go, or do you think it moves to Cardiff? And you know, obviously City, obviously being a free hit, and then um, the Boxing Day one against Cardiff being the big one. I. <laughs> I'm not sure where I stand on that right now, to be honest with you. I, I'm one of those people, and it's going to sound really strange, who is going to say, well, if he goes, who comes in? I mean, people say on social media, well, there's a million man who come in. I, I get that part, but who? I mean, my, my immediate thought is going to be Dougie Freeman. I've got no problem with that, honestly, as a short-term thing, but as the only person I've ever heard, I've heard besides that, maybe Kiki Sanchez Flores, probably, possibly. Talk about the guy who's now... Uh, the Sheffield United manager who was, supposed to, who was recommended by Allardyce, possibly. Chris Wilder, is that Wilder? Wilder. But, I mean, there's there's nothing firm out there, is my point. So, I've got no problem him having a few more matches. But what I want to see, what I have to see, is something different. Formation-wise, squad-wise, we've got to change something. We cannot keep going out there doing the same exact thing. He can't do that. Expecting the players to perform differently and for us to get out of this. Because it's not going to happen that way. It's got to be... He's got to. He's got to make the difference. And Haskiff, how do you feel? Do you think it's uh, no points from the next three, or fewer than four points in the next three, and he's his job's probably in trouble? Well, I think his. I think I. I think you know us talking about it shows that there's some sort of some pressure on him already. Um, we talked about it last week, and we're talking about it again this week. Where you know I, I'm a fairly patient fan considering, you know, the, the amount of changes that happen in football in, in, you know, the modern era or whatever. So I'm, I'm fairly patient, I think. But I agree with Patrick in that th- something has got to change, whether that is a formation or a different personnel or something, because if, if it just keeps carrying on, I just don't know where we can turn it around. I, d- I don't think Leicester, I don't think Leicester is the be all and end all for him. Um, I'm not saying it should or shouldn't be. I just don't think it will be. And like you say, Man City don't really count. But let's say we get to the Cardiff game. Um, Cardiff, who are awful and already above us in the league, by the way. Um, and if we if we get to that game and they beat us, then then what? Like I don't I don't know what we can do because if you get tactically outwitted by Neil Warnock in the Premier League, then something isn't right. And I I, I don't. I don't hate Neil Warnock, but he's very much a sort of blood and thunder, get stuck in guy, which which is why he's great in the championship, but is also why I don't think he's brilliant in the Premier League. 
So I, 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 I don't think Parrish will want to get rid of Roy. I think the ideal situation, which you, you and I talked about on the way back from Brighton, Terry, is that, you know, we stay up this year and Roy leaves amicably in the summer and we sort of knew it was coming and we can prepare and try and get someone in early doors. That would be probably the best situation because I'm not saying it's untenable now, but the goodwill of how of what he did last season has worn off, I think. And I've got nothing against him personally. I, I, I really like him. But results need to start turning the other way because as it stands, I can only see us going further down, unfortunately. Mm, yeah and well if I think he'll be gone if we lose our next three games um, and it will be somewhat poetic that a loss against Neil Warnock's Cardiff on Boxing Day at Sellers would see the end of Roy after Warnock's last game in charge at Sellers was a Boxing Day defeat to Southampton so um, football throws up funny things like that doesn't it um, obviously the other two a couple of things we should touch on is Patrick Van Arnholt obviously picked up a bit of an injury against West Ham some sort of shoulder stroke arm injury, but the suggestions seem to be that he's okay and he should be back in training tomorrow. So hopefully he will um, be able to play. Although saying that, Schlupp obviously did a decent job coming in against West Ham and grabbed the goal. So um, obviously we have some natural cover there, but the other big miss is James Tompkins is out. Although saying big miss, Patrick, it's he's probably coming off the back of his worst two games in a Palace shirt. Yeah, the Brighton game was was not good for him, and this one also getting the yellow card the way he got it is it's weird. You know what? I'm a firm believer that when Saka and Tompkins are really playing well, we are a very solid team, and when they're not, we are very very shaky, which isn't really saying a lot, but it just seems to be a fact. So, um, it's gonna be a big miss. Um, I can see uh, you know, Kelly stepping in. Um. He does a decent job. I'm not a huge fan of Martin Kelly, but I think with Sacco there, he'll be okay. But we'll also see possibly Dan getting it, getting it. If if uh, you know, based on the fact he played in the under twenty three match, so see what happens. But again, it's not it's not it's not great. But like you just said, he has come off of his worst two games probably in a long time, so he could probably do a little bit of a rest. Mm, okay, and now I'm going to stoke the fire. <laughs> Six goals conceded in the last two games. Is it is it time for Vicente? You're not asking me, are you? <laughs> yeah, I am. All right. Right. I think I, I would like to see to get a chance. I mean, if he doesn't get a chance now, he's never. You just said it. six goals in two matches. He's not going to make the change. Roy will not make a change. But I think if you were looking at statistics and our current form, and we've got a goalie who I think is 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 a very good goalkeeper coming from where he came from, I think he, needs to, he, think he deserves the chance. If not now, very, very, very soon. He just does. Heskiff, uh, can you see a change happening or you just think it's going to be Hennessy in the six again? Yeah, Hen- Hennessy will play. Uh, uh- I'd be massively surprised if Roy changes it, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, we know that he likes to sort of stick with his, his whatever, 14 players, whatever it is he uses. And Wayne started off the season as number one. I can't see it changing as long as Roy's here. Unless, I mean, unless he's, you know, absolutely abysmal for the next few games. I think he's he's pretty set as number one. So, um, yeah. I don't think quite he's going to play. Maybe maybe he'll get a game against Grimsby. Okay, I'll I'll leave you with this to ponder before we go off to predictions. What will happen first? Wayne Hennessy will be a dropped, or Palace will win without Zaha. 
Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Right, okay, the poll this week, I can hardly believe it for a win. It, it bore a draw. <laughs> and for... And for fuck's sake, that's a good one. Uh, 21% have gone for a win, 18% for a draw, and 61% have gone for a loss. Um, Patrick, are you, are you, do you think that polls a reflection of your thoughts? For fuck's sake, yeah, mate, I got us losing 1 0. <laughs> um, I again, no Wilf, um, a manager who's very stubborn in making changes, just a, just a malaise around the club at this point. I mean, I, Obviously, I want us to win. I hope we win. I hope somebody steps up and, and does something. But with, with so many, with, I shouldn't say so many, with, with this couple of changes they're going to make, two key ones, you know, in Tompkins and Zaha. I've got no problem with the replacements coming in. I just don't think they're up to those two players. I just don't see us getting it. Now, having said that, we did beat them twice last year. We had a brilliant match at home last year against them. So I really hope we can mustered at that but I, I just I'm going with a one nil I just I just feel I just don't it just doesn't feel right. Who's gonna score the goal for Leicester? Jamie Vardy, of course. Having a party. Jamie, Jamie Vardy. Okay, Heskiff. Well I was I was having a look at Leicester's results over the past sort of month or so and they don't score that many. They don't concede that many. There's quite a few draws in there. Um so I don't think it'd be a massively high scoring game, mostly because we can't score very much. Um, but I, th- I think Leicester will win probably 2-1 um, I, I don't dislike Martin Kelly I think he's a pretty good squad player but the idea of him and Vardy together is pretty worrying to be honest so I think uh, I mean it, you just don't know what kind of Palace will turn up I, I think it's going to be a continuation of last week uh, especially without Tonks and, and Wilf in the team so I think we'll lose 2-1 and I think Luca will score a pen. Wow, okay. Um, just scrolling through the prediction league from um, everyone at the back of the nest. Um, last week, Patrick O'Connor, 3-1 West Ham. You went very good. Cheers, thank you. Uh, Mike, Mike, Mike Scott also went for the same. So um, I'm just having a little fiddle round to see what that's done with the stat uh, over the season. Um, this week, Tim Warren's gone for a 2-1 Palace win. Uh, Mick Gillard has also gone for a 2-1 Mike Scott's gone for a 2-2 Ed Kettleway who is still the leader has gone for a 1-0 win to Palace and Albert Curley um, from his wherever he's on holiday at the moment in the world <laughs> has, has gone for a 2-1 win to Palace as well I think oh, I don't really I don't know I don't really know where to fall on this one. I hope we can scrape a 1-1 draw and I think that's what I'm going to go for. Um, I don't know where the goal is going to come from. Um, Hopefully, Wes Morgan to score an own goal or something just to help us out. (laughs) But um, yeah, yeah, so 1-1 I'm going to settle with and um, hopefully that will be part way to getting the the four points um, that we're going to need um, for Roy to keep his job because I just... I think if it's a choice between sacking Roy and having to give him a bit of a payoff or having money to buy players in January, I think I'd rather have money to buy players in January. So there we have it. Um, And we'll see how we get on with those next week. 
Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Okay, that's your lot for this week. Um, Patrick, thank you for stepping in as always. Good, sir. Uh, anytime, mate. Well done with your first ever hashtag. It was, it was, it must have always, almost been trending, mate. There was, there was so much going on. Must have been, cheers. must have been very close. Cheers, cheers, cheers <laughs> for that. And Heskif, um, yeah, I, I can't believe you got two more days at work and then you're off for like a month or whatever. Yeah, it's a rough life, mate. Rough, rough life. Um, as for me, um, I, I got a hip flask at Secret Center today and it was full of rum. So um, I'm going to go and drink that and hope that everything can get better over this weekend um if you're checking your mailboxes all good podcast outlets etc you will be already able to listen to this week's love sports show which was with dr and nick gillard and of course on sunday the review show will be on normal and that will be hambo and his team hopefully talking about a palace win so until next week up the palace The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.